Hello and welcome to another episode of Gist Arena where all we do is just, just, just and just. I trust that you had a wonderful week and a productive one so far and um, the weekend is just to sit back, relax and enjoy. And if it is um, outing that this weekend needs, I mean, enjoy and have fun at your OMB. Um, I am Cynthia and I am here with Ayotunde and Dr. Enang on today's gisting episode. Now, um, Dr. Enang, sorry, was here in the last season and he's here with us again. I guess he had a wonderful time and enjoyed. That is why he is here with us. Welcome, Dr. Enang, and thanks for honoring us a second time. Now to the topic of the day. So this came about um, through something that made rounds on social media um, sometime a while back. I'm just going to re- quickly recap what, um, you know, what I'd made around and then we'll just take it up from there. So basically this uh, man, he's, he's Nigerian and he's based in the UK. He was saying that a lot of um, men in his Nigerian guys in his, hof- in his office have had um, issues with their marriages and the issues have sort of crippled them in the sense that most of them have had maybe their wife reporting them to the authority. They've lost their home. They've lost everything so that they have worked for. And they have had cause to start all over again. So that sort of brought, brought about um, conversation on social media saying, um, you know, um, Nigerian women are not very fair. And specifically, the guys where he was referring to are those that, you know, got married to Nigerian women that he had been here in Nigeria people that they brought over to the UK and then, you know, that happened to them. So those were the specific sets of people that he was referring to. So now I want to um, <laughs> ask, you know, when, when you're planning to get married, or no, well, yeah, when you're thinking on getting married and you are based, you know, abroad, should you consider um, the adaptability of your spouse? You know, so so right now I'm, op- I'm opening it up. Whether you're, whether, you're, whether you're male or female, I mean, we we know that these things happen to both genders. So whether you're male or female, should you consider the the adaptability of your spouse when you're thinking of getting married and you are not both based in the same geographical um location? Over to you, Ayotunde and Dr. Enang. Hi, Cynthia. Hello, everyone. It's good to be on Gist Arena again. Um, a special welcome to Dr. Enak. Thank you for joining us today and um, a big congratulations to you as well on your latest achievement as the youngest fellow of the Nigerian Society of Engineers. Wow, that's a big one. You really made history with that and it's quite laudable. Congratulations again and you're welcome. Um, so I'm just going to go straight, you know, into the business of the day. So should you consider the adaptability of your intended spouse, you know, if they are transiting to your um, location, that's where you're living? Well, I'm going to say that both of them would need to sit and um, decide um, whether the transition, you know, um, is, um, how do I say it now? Well, so just, you know, look at the um, possible effects of the transition, you know, on the person that is transiting to see um, the adjustments, you know, to consider the adjustments that would need to be made and then to see if, you know, there, there are any kind of, you know, effects either positive either negative you know they just sit together i don't think it is just that the person that um is in a location that the spouse is coming to that should consider the adaptability i think the person that is also making the transition should also you know think about that it's something both of them should really sit together and um talk about that's what i think because yes um the truth of the matter of, well, for me, I think that in an ideal situation, you know, um, naturally a couple should live together, right? So one would think that um, if 
two people are married and one is in a different location and you know there's especially if it's a very very far distance okay i mean now that i'm looking at people i mean someone who is abroad and then the intended spouses in nigeria you know that, that that's like oceans apart so um one would probably naturally think that the person in Nigeria should, you know, go meet this other person because, I mean, how do you get to, if it's just um, interstate now, eh, eh, that one is even, you know, understandable, but this entire um, transatlantic um, marriage, if the possibility, you know, I mean, sorry, is it a possibility now? Yeah, if the opportunity arises, I think naturally you would expect that this other person will go meet their spouse approach but um so i would say that the person that is doing the translation should also be ready to adapt except maybe you're not bothered about the fact that you're living so apart from your spouse if that's not a deal breaker for you then um you may not, you know, you may think that, oh, I, I can't adapt, or I don't want to adapt, and, you know, just take it like that, and stay put where you are, and you both with managing yourself, but I think if it's a deep breaker for you, you feel that you need to be in the same space with your spouse, then you, you, you yourself, you will need to start considering, you know, um, how to adapt, and make up your mind to adapt, but having said that, I, I think that, um, the adaptability of you know this spouse isn't should not be underestimated you know by the other spouse so you shouldn't just take it for granted that eh, the person we need to adapt no you know i think it's something that they would put, need to sit down together and you know discuss and see i mean how it profits both of them you know in the long run so it depends again on on what you know is deal breaker for them so if they think it's important you know for them to be together then they will need to really look at it see how you know they can navigate that and then make it happen hi cynthia hi dr ayotunde it's uh, a huge uh, pleasure having uh, the opportunity to chat with you ladies once more on very important topical issues affecting the society. Uh, Dr. Ayotunde, thanks very much for your kind words. I really do appreciate. So, uh, just delving right into this topic, the idea of whether it is important to consider adaptability before marriage, adaptability in the context of, you know, traveling out and uh, looking at um, whether or not she would still maintain her family values or get carried away. So that topic for me, if you want to look at it very, you know, uh, clinically, the question is, is adaptability in this context a function of nature or nurture? So is that lady born to be adaptable or behave properly when she goes out there? Or is it that you have to teach her? Well, I would like to say that from my own perspective, I think adaptability in this context is more of nurture. Either she has been through something previously that has shaped our views and made her not to be carried away and understand that, uh, you know, how life, you know, and family values are supposed to be, you know, upheld. Uh, or you would have to do that task. And so, if you're planning to take your spouse abroad, one of the key things is to have a plan as to why you're going out there, what are the important imperatives in terms of family values required to make that journey a success, and most importantly, what does success mean for you? What are the parameters that you define as success? And then, you know, if you're returning, when you are returning to so these conversations, they're difficult conversations, but they must be had because otherwise 
if you just go with time and chance, then things will just go by and you find out that she will be carried away. Now, the second thing is, how do you support each other if you are actually getting out of the line? So is there that sort, sort of intentional stewardship of the plan? So if your wife is getting very much carried away in terms of uh, the way she, her outlook and the way she she's you know she's derailing from the plans that you had prior to relocating abroad. How are you supporting her to call her to place before it begins to get complicated? So these are some of the things that you know we, we need to do. And you know, when you talk about family values, maintaining that, making sure she's not getting out of that is also about getting her from time to time, him or her really, to come uh, home and, and, you know, sort of refamiliarize themselves with the values. And in, in this sense, I'm not talking theoretically, but coming home to see how marriages actually run at home would give them a more balanced perspective to compare that against what is obtainable abroad. Because once you've lived so long there, you get very easily carried away. So for me, it's about being just intentional. What are you going to do how intentional are you about it? Do you have a plan in place? And of course, you know, how are you nurturing and supporting each other towards the plan? But it starts with the in, the intentional plans that you would have to put in place first. Thank you so much, um, Ayo Sunday and Dr. Enang for um, the points made. Um, I do agree with Ayotunde where he said that the both of them have to actually, you know, you know, consider um, whether, you know, the person coming is going to be able to cope or the person making the move is going to be able to cope. And for me, I think very importantly is the person actually making the move that should actually sit down and ask themselves, you know, this place I'm going to, what, you know, what is required of me there? Would I be able to, you know, adapt this place do i currently you know <laughs> do, do, do i currently do these things even if i don't do it can i change a good, a good example is i mean it's jackpot season and people are you know trying to move to other places and as that is happening i've heard i hear of different stories especially when it comes to family of how you know maybe after they've relocated or something they're still having problems in a marriage and then wow it's separation divorce all of these things what I think, which I might be wrong, definitely, I raise my hands up and say I might be wrong, but what sometimes I think about is, didn't they take their time to actually, um, you know, just have an overview of where, they, where they're going, how are things run there, and how can they, you know, um, like, how are they going to, like, change or adapt their family, their current family composition, not composition, their current family routine or something like that to sort of fit into what that place requires, but we'll go in depth um, very soon. Now, let me direct my uh, next my next um, sort of question to Ayotunde. Do you think that the current Nigerian laws are specific are specifically favorable towards women? Do you think they protect them? Because I also I also think that, especially um, in the situation where is the guy that is abroad and is bringing a female. A lot of times, the kinds of, um, let's say, for example, they've been married before and the guy was probably here before he actually traveled. The way the family is run, of course, we are talking about family because of the topic anyways, not like the person was here before something. The way, the, way the family is run sometimes, women have the shorter end of the stick and there's no way for them to fight back. Take, for example, someone whose spouse sort of um, emotionally abuses them or verbally abuses them or physically abuses them you know of course sometimes when they go report at the, at the um to the appropriate authorities i mean some let's say police because I, I know that there are some organizations that do actually take very um reasonable steps you know when people report let's say they go to the police for example we've, we've heard of stories where you know people come and the women come and then they are they, 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 they are brushed off as if it's nothing or something like that so do you think that the laws um, sort of um, 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 protect them? Because I also think that sometimes when that kind of woman lives in an environment where her voice is never heard, 
the authorities don't really pay attention and she goes to you know that environment where her rights are very important and are protected and maybe the guy wants to do the same thing of course she's inclined to want to take up the opportunity to actually free herself or to liberate herself and then you know when she does that you know, society, the, the, uh, the Nigerian society abroad tags her as, oh, this woman is wayward, or this woman as, you know, she, she, she um, like in the Uber parlance, you know, I, I don't say that kind of thing. Um, you know, what do you think about that, um, Ayotunde? Thank you, Cynthia. Yes, um, there are laws that protect um, women's rights on paper <laughs> yeah um yes i i i think that there are laws okay uh, that protect um women but what i don't know is if these laws are largely enforced or right to benefit women so the question i'll be asking is um how many women have actually benefited you know from these laws that claim to um protect the rights of women okay maybe lawyers can help us with that i don't i don't have you know statistics for that but um that's the question how would be asking okay so it's not a question of um if the laws exist they do but then uh are they enforced to favor you know women largely are they so that's the question um that is begging for an answer as far as I'm concerned. Uh, because um, even though these laws exist, we know that um, gender discrimination is still a huge thing in, in our society. I mean, except we just want to lie to ourselves. It's still a huge thing. So um, where are these laws? What, 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 what roles are they playing at the end of the day if you know we still have such... Um, huge issue with gender discrimination and then um um aside that i think that women really have a lot to deal with you know when it comes to um how they should or how they are expected to um approach marital issues okay so apart from the fact that um um like you mentioned Cynthia sometimes a woman goes to make a complaint you know and then she's brushed off i've actually heard of instances where um a woman goes to complain about a domestic issue and the law enforcement agent you know whether the police or something says oh this is a domestic matter please um go back home and and, and resolve it you know so um when a woman comes to you with a report or even with evidence and all of that. And all you have to say to her is to go back home. You know, you're not, you're not helping to, to um, enforce the law one way or the other. Then, I mean, for me, that's just, that's just not right. But then it does happen. So again, that's why we, we need to ask the question that even though this law exists today, are they actually enforced? That's one. But then I think that, um, the, the woman also has to deal with, um, you know, the, the societal expectation because, again, except we just want to lie to ourselves, we know that the, 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 the general mindset, so to speak, you know, um, or the average mindset, no, sorry, the mindset of the average um, Nigerian is that a woman, you know, should endure keep enduring whatever is thrown at you, whether it's bad, whether it's ugly, whether it's debilitating, whether it's even, you know, destructive, you know, whether you are, whether you are just holding on to your very last breath, just stay there and be, and be taking it all in and be absorbing it and just be enduring, just be enduring. Last, last, they'll say, pray about it. You know, that's, that's basically, you know, um, what, what she gets that's how she's expected to approach um issues in her relationships and her marriage or her marriage and um the fact that um um maybe a family 
all the man's family, our colleagues, church members, you know, even a random person in the society expect her not to, you know, take any other step other than to just, you know, stay there and um, and learn helplessness, you know, and just keep enduring, you know, um, th- that alone seems paralyzing such that she'll probably not even think of, you know, um, going the legal route because um, I-, I think, I-, I-, I think that um, to a very large extent, uh, many of us would rather sacrifice our well-being for um, public appraisal, okay, for what would people say. I think um, that is something that happens a lot. And so uh, I, I don't want people to see me in this particular light. I don't want people to, to say I'm this. I don't want people to, you know, um, look at me one way. So I would rather, you know, just um, just keep it this way and, you know, just, just be enduring. So it's, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's like an abomination for a woman to actually say she wants to um, go the, the legal um, way of to seek legal redress about certain of its about some marital issues in this society, all right. And then, of course, in our society, that is, I mean, that's another thing. If if you are without a man, if you are not married or something, it's it's as if you are not complete. It's as if you are not whole. So th- 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 those kind of things also can make, um, you know, a woman not want to do things that would appear to jeopardize, you know, a marriage, even if a situation is, is so horrible in that marriage. So um, I think apart from the law protecting, of, I mean, whether the law protects the woman or not, there are other forces she has to deal with um, with regards to that. But... Um, I'm sorry, before I just stop talking, I, I want to ask um, Dr. Enang to please quickly clarify something for me because I I mean, he said something about um, couples. I mean, we are talking about Nigerian couples and couples who are abroad, Nigerian couples who go abroad to live there, you know, about them coming home once in a while to um, sort of like take a refresher course in marriage, you know, come back to see how marriage um, works here and I'm I'm wondering is 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 marriage the marriage composition in Nigeria is that a yardstick or why should why what's what's the need for them to come back to come and see how marriage works here how about how it works over there is there something wrong with how marriage um set I mean marriage is I mean the setup marriage setup over there is there something wrong about it is the one here in Nigeria is that the right one or the best I just I, I, I just like some clarification. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Ayasunde. So, in short, the the laws might be might be available, but um, the implementation and the actual coverage is what is most probably lacking. Very well. So, in addition to um what you've um asked um Dr. Enang to clarify. Um, Dr. Enang, I'd like to know, so because we're speaking specifically, you know, about a certain general scenario, which is the fact that the man, you know, is over his quotes abroad, unquote, and then he's coming, he's, he's planning on bringing, or he brings a, a woman over from Nigeria. Um, I mean, do you think that, well, well based, off, based off the stories that we've heard, you know, is there a problem with the way that these men expect things to run? So, you know, most often than not, if you are there, sort of the culture is sort of, you know, pulling in. Both parties are working to pull into the um, marriage and everything, or to the home front. From at least the separation and divorce stories I have heard, what ends up happening is the man wants to um they you know they sort of want the wife to work and as well as still perform 100 percent on the home front this leads me to believe that sometimes the men have the nigerian mentality in a functioning sort of maybe let's say european environment what do you think about that over to you dr enang 
Hi, hey, Tunde. Hi, Cynthia. Uh, very wonderful, insightful conversations going on there. And, um, you know, I'll just tackle uh, Cynthia's question first. So, basically, in order to gain an, a good appreciation about what the problems are in terms of uh, family problems there abroad, we need to sort of have a feel or an understanding for how life goes there. So abroad, um, the Western economy has actually been designed to ensure that um, you can't really do it on your own. That's the truth. And I'll give you, just digress a bit and give you some really key examples. If you look at the geography of England, for example, the lands where we actually have a planning permit for building, not the ones for agriculture, are exhausted, literally. So we have properties already on them. And these properties span over hundreds of years. I lived in one the mayor of Bath lived in the property that I, li- I lived in when I was in the University of Bath in Somerset, UK. So uh, what do, does the UK do? They try to make sure that by increasing the standard of living, that also goes with the cost of living. You now have a situation where from generation to generation, there's always a pool of people that cannot retain some properties and they have to send it back into the market. And that's why younger people can get money to buy properties. The properties are not built, unlike Nigeria. Now, what that means is that there is an economy which has been engineered to make sure you cannot do it on your own. How do the Indians do it? The Indians will simply get... um, you know, come in, they're quite large in numbers. Each child will get a little mortgage and get a property. They wait for the property market to appreciate. They sell that property, collect the money from the sales that they've mortgaged their property. If there's a gain, they collect that gain, amalgamate it together in terms of group economics and go and buy one property off the market at once. So what they've done is that each of them have made gains from buying and holding properties for a long time, and they all sell their properties, take the money, buy one, and all live there. It's very strategic. Sometimes or they buy and rent, and all of them live in one property, but the rest are rented, and they use the money from there to pay off one property, and they repeat the same cycle until they claim all properties. So what am I saying to you is, yes, in in Nigeria, that is different because instead of having my extended family, or I mean in India, you can live with an extended family, uh, you know, one entire building. You can have 10 people living. There's no issue, but it's not typical in Nigeria of today. So what they now do, spouses, to surmount the economic odds of living abroad, the spouses now have to, uh, you know, demand that from each other, uh, they work very hard to make sure that they bring something to the table. So the driver is not the man. The driver is the economy. That being said, the man to, should be able to take uh, you know, some sort of uh, compromise on the home front to know that, well, it is what it is. We have to be able to uh, you know, sort of... Uh, uh, step back on our expectations. Now, the uh, issue that um, Ayotunde raised, uh, which is this Nigerian mar- marriage, is actually uh, a yardstick. Now, we have to go back to the biblical definition of the institution called marriage. It was founded on love. It talks about Jesus loving his own bride, which is the church. It was founded on God. And anything short of these foundations, you find out that it's just a ticking time bomb. 
I would like to say that it's either you want your marriage to work or you don't want it to work. And if you're trying to be at a Kimbo and read, waiting for any opportunity that comes your way for you to uh, prove that you're right, then it's, you know, people say you might as well marry yourself, to be honest, because it won't work. So let me deal a little bit deeper. When I say Nigeria, I'm talking about a marriage that is founded on family values. That's what I'm talking about. A marriage that is, you know, uh, institutionalized on the fact that you understand family values. There's no gains as to, oh, what am I going to, you know, what property am I going to get with this? But I know there are marriages that are even worse than the one abroad here. But when you see, there are a lot of marriages also that are founded on those family values. And that's the difference there. The marriage there is operated on the law. What has he done? Is he against the law? Yeah, let's deal with him. No. Should that be the basis? The basis should be family values. The basis should be, oh, we have, uh, you know, we, 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 this is, we want to be, uh, you know, um, uh, intentional. And both, it's from both parties. When I talk about it, it's not like wife. When I say couples should come, they need to come back and look at how it was done traditionally. How did our own parents marry each other? In our grandparents' case, the, some of the women would even go out and marry a second wife for their husband. I mean, they've given birth completely, but they feel, oh, I'm, I'm older. Let me get someone younger to take care of him. And they were still functional. I'm not saying that is right, but what drove them was the understanding and the family values which surpassed all legalities. The law is not going to fix your marriage. And likewise, the society is not going to fix your marriage. Philosophy is not going to fix your marriage. There's going to be a genuine intention to invest in that marriage. Including coming back to, because sometimes abroad, you all have examples of failed marriages, failed marriages, failed marriages. At the slightest provocation. But you come back here and somebody is telling you their own story and what has held them on. That is an inspirational story. As I said, the outcome of any uh, uh, marriage discussion is not to abrace couples with the law so that any time they can fight, they can, you know, they, they, you know, for lack of a better word, they become in double of marriage. No. The idea is to understand that it is ups and down. The idea is to understand that what held in the first place, is it family values? I mean, is it the, the, the fact, and what can you do to make it work? That's the idea of marriage. So, I would encourage people, come back. If there are good examples, they please take it. But I see more that here, because, and let me tell you something, when you have options, it could actually impair you being able to make one of them work. You could be confused out there because the law exists. A lot of couples don't even make an effort. They know the outcome already. If it comes to divorce, uh, we are ready. We know what it is. But I'll tell you here, because there is no enforcement of any outcome. There's that genuineness to make it work. You talk about society. I don't know the society, what their perception is. Those things put us in check. Otherwise, women here, uh, uh, when we want to copy something, we'll copy it in extremities. So otherwise, but those things put us in check. They are there like fever to say, no, you are not feeling final. This is not acceptable. They put us in check. And so I, I would say, I would say, whichever way you see a marriage that is built on family values, please go and copy it. It's not smooth. It's not supposed to be that each time things go wrong, you go and look at the lines of the law as to what to enforce next. You might as well marry yourself now, because that thing is not easy. You know? So I, I would I would say in all, the whole marriage issue is something that must God must drive it. 
it is something that God has recognized. And you remember, it is one of such first miracles in the ministry of Jesus. As such, I don't, I, I would tell you, if you don't find it, on, and let me tell you, out there, because everything appears deterministic, there's that consciousness as to, okay, uh, let's just do A, we'll do B, we know where it is. Okay, if this happens, this happens, if this happens, this happens. I've been living out there for over 10 years. My prayer life went down the drain because it was so deterministic. You wake up in the morning, you just have to do what you say you will do and the results will be obvious. And so you think that everything in this life is going to work that way, but marriage will shock you. And so I tell people, have a mindset. Sometimes the options are not there because God gives you just one option, that is to make it work. And every other thing is against all odds. And once you change your mindset that it's going to work, it will work. Remember, it takes two to tango. And if one is not engaging, then of course, over time, even the other party will say, no, you don't do. I look at somebody, you forget about what the stories they paint. The reality, you see something differently. That's why I never get into talking about marriage issues because I don't know exactly, you know, who, who, who did what. And I can't verify the story. So I would, I would, I would pretty much, um, you know, just end it all by saying we just have to have a mindset to make our marriages work. Thank you very much. Um, thank you so much, um, Dr. Enak, for sharing your thoughts with us. I don't agree that we should go back to how it was done back in the day. I mean, what we have back then is where one party, you know, as far as I know, most, most often than not, endures to make it work without sort of finding their happiness. And this is evidenced by, you know, you know stories that we've heard from our mothers because they were the ones that had to most of them not make the sacrifices and then we, we realized that they've sacrificed they've just endured and not they didn't you'll probably not find their happiness throughout their living so they just lived sort of a, a life of sacrifice so to say and then we present day we you know there's this new new awakening that life is not to be endured but to be enjoyed you know, last, last, every party should just wake up and, you know, step up to um, the reality of what we have. And if anybody chooses to sort of um, live in those days, to sort of find, um, to so, just so that they can align to family values, maybe they should really not, they should not do anything that is modern. But that's by the way, that's my own opinion. Thanks so much for sharing your opinion. So I want to talk about um, something that we've seen more recently and has, has, has always caused sort of, has always been a point of discussion where we have this party that is probably installed abroad and um, they're looking for a way to sort of make their lives better. And then they realize that there's some particular disciplines where there are a lot of money. And then we're talking about the medical fields, nursing and medicine specifically and so they, they come to most work well, from the stories that i have heard is mostly when the guy would come to sort of nigeria here which is local country to look for a spouse you know a wife marry her and then take her abroad and have her enrolled in um maybe a school to study nursing or a school to, most, mostly i've heard of nursing but I know that there's also the doctoral part of it because they are very, very lucrative fields. And so have the person start working. And so the person is working. At the end of the day, they are handing their paycheck over to this man that has married them so that they can then, you know, so they almost don't even have control over their own lives or over how the money that they make is being spent. And the point for this is for most probably the man that has brought them over um, who sponsor their education, but throughout, throughout their lives after they have graduated and gotten a job, all of their paychecks is going to, you know, be given, handed over to the man. And we only get to hear of these stories maybe when the woman is very is tired, she feels like she's she, she's just like a mom. She, she has sacrificed a lot and everything. What do you think of this situation? What to you, Ayotunde and Dr. Enang? Hi, Cynthia. Um, thanks for your points. Um, just to clarify, you know, I just feel 
that if if we um for once just give um you know sort of chance to the real bond of marriage and each party does the same thing we should be fine i i need to trace this back to what the whole intent of the garden of eden was it was intended that everyone would be unaware of knowledge and as such there'll be no choice of good and evil and such you won't even know if you're doing you know you don't even know to do bad i think that was the original plan until everything scattered if you bring that into marriage what i'm saying is that the moment people get aware of legal means men or women of of uh, exploiting it to an advantage the human nature will naturally shift and blindfold themselves against all other amicable options which are quite longer really it's quite a very long approach and it takes a lot of effort they look for the shortest route but what i'm saying is that if that route is the legal route it's not in each other's favor because the if the if the if the family breaks apart the children would suffer now i'm talking about the one where the spouse will bring the wife i mean i haven't heard of that scenario before i'm not aware but to be honest i think that it's unacceptable you don't bring someone over make them to uh you know do a course and with the intent i mean you could suggest the course you could let them know that there are short-term benefits that even as a student you could start earning money and of course money becomes a key driver especially in in those economies but the aspect of collecting the money on their behalf is unacceptable i don't know how to explain it i've never come across it and frankly speaking i will not condone it so those are just my thoughts before I get to Cynthia's question, I just want to thank Dr. Enang for shedding more light on my inquiry. I picked two things from what he said. He mentioned family values. I agree that family values are important. I actually think that um, these values should drive the actions of the people involved in a marital relationship, you know, people within a family. The things they do should be geared towards protecting and upholding you know, the family values they should do things that align with their family values. So I agree with that point. And that just takes me to the second point. And I want to thank him again for stressing that it takes two to tangle. And this really is my bone of contention. You know, whenever um, this type of discussion, you know, comes up, um, I believe that it takes the two individuals in a marital relationship to make that marriage work. It is not the responsibility of just one person. One person should not be the one putting in all the work. One person should not be the one doing all the heavy lifting or bearing, you know, most of the burden or taking, you know, um, 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 most of the responsibility of making that marriage work. It's two people the two of them you know should come together make up their minds and decide that their marriage must work and the two of them must put in the necessary effort must um, put in the necessary work must make the necessary commitment must do everything you know that will make the marriage work and i believe that you know um the work that is, is is put in by both parties should be proportional it's not again like i said it's not one person doing most of the work it's not one person doing the most taking you know most of the responsibility no it has to be a collective effort and the effort must be proportional that is what um working you know means in my own dictionary when you say, oh, it's working, then it is, for me, it is two people, you know, putting in, you know, the collective work, the collective effort and 
you know, proportional to. And I actually think that um, in, in a case like that, you know, when two people come with that mindset that we're going to do everything, both of us, you know, we will put in all the work that is needed to make the marriage work, then there won't even be a need for someone to say, I want to seek, you know, um, um, legal redress or I, I want to apply the law in the first place. There won't be a need for that. So the things that we should be, I mean, what we should be stressing is the fact that two people must, you know, put in professional um, effort. If that is done, nobody will feel um, slighted. Nobody will feel like, you know, they are um, on the receiving hand. Nobody will feel like they have the shutter hand of the stick in the first place because that won't be the situation. And so there won't even be the need to, you know, um, apply the law. I believe that a relationship, you know, any relationship, and I'm not even talking about man-woman relationship now, but any human interaction, you know, should should be should be symbiotic in nature. Okay, symbiotic relationship where um, both parties give, you know, and they also receive again, you know, in proportional measures. Not, you know, parasitic. Um, situations where the life is sucked out or is almost sucked out of one person and then the other person, you know, seems to be enjoying all the perks and everything like that. That should not be the case. And it is when, you know, um, such things happen that someone, you know, gets to their breaking point or they reach the end of their rope that, you know, they decide to go the legal route. Okay. And um, that's when the law actually becomes functional. And I actually do not see the law, you know, as, as um, being there to break homes, you know, to break marriages. The same way that um, societal expectations, you know, probably um, are there to put us in check so that we don't get out of line in some cases. I believe that that's also how the law, you know, on the, at the other end of the spectrum, you know, um, how the law is there to 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 apply, you know, checks and balances so that um, one party is not, you know, unduly cheated or mistreated, you know, or stuff like that. So that's why the law is there. And if both parties will do the right thing, will do right by um, one another. Then there won't even be a need to say, oh, you, you, you know, you want to seek legal redress or anything like that. That's what I believe. Now, um, getting to Cynthia's question, I think, you know, I, I, I just, I align with Dr. Enang because honestly, it, it, it is absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't make sense to me. Things like that, you know, when I, hear that you know things like that happen I, I just wonder I wonder um I mean how it is that I mean what what is going on in some people's minds when they get married actually because I, I think well the, the truth is that a lot of people get married for different reasons anyway because I I don't know how I mean you 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 feel that you should treat your significant other in some very very unpleasant ways i mean how do you how does that even make sense this is your immediate family member for crying out loud how can you bring somebody from wherever to come and train as um a medical personnel and then when they've gone through all the rigor and everything you're not saying submit your paycheck to me come you you why didn't you do it yourself i mean there are male nurses and um, stuff like that okay so wh why why don't you go to school nursing school or you know just go and train as a medical personnel or something like that and start earning the money why would you need to bring i mean to ask somebody else to do that and then you turn your wife into a cash cow i mean who does that and then you now come and say oh i i i brought, I brought how I trained how those kind of things. I'm like, please, if you don't train your wife, who will who will train her? I mean, that's the that's the truth. What, these are the things we need to do for one another, isn't it? 
Now, some people will be bragging. I brought, I brought her from, 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 from Nigeria, from the village. I brought him. Eh, before uncle, who will you bring? You are, you are in, you are, you know, you're, you're living elsewhere. So should, I mean, who will you bring to come and live with you if it's not your spouse? So how do you think you earn a bragging right for that? Is that not what it should be? So please, if you think that, I mean, I don't even understand. You will say, I trained her. Biko, I will give, I will return your money. The money you, you, you used to train. Okay, take it, collect it back. So that you know, I can I can have some peace. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. I don't I don't. It's nonsense as far as I'm concerned. And um, like Doctor Enang said, I do not condone it either. Thank you. Thank you so much um, to the both of you for sharing your thoughts with um with us and with that we've come to the end of this episode i've absolutely had a wonderful time and i trust that you our listeners as well have um enjoyed um the discussion we have had today um please follow us on our instagram um handle at gist arena with ending with a double a and on youtube at gist arena until next time please remain blessed stay positive and have a lovely 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 week enjoy thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of gist arena we hope you enjoyed the topic discussed Please drop your comments and let us know what you think about it. We'll definitely love to hear from you. Until next time, bye!